Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standick, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means today I was there when Ron Rivera dropped a bit of a bombshell on the media contingent by announcing he had fired defense, uh, defensive line coach Sam Mills. Uh, a big surprise, not so much in terms of the decision to change uh to, to move on from Mills, his longtime assistant, that's kind of been rumored for some time. But the timing of it, very unusual. We're two weeks into training camp. We're less than a week away from the first preseason game. I'll get to more of that in a moment, as well as share some of the other uh, n- news and notes from uh, training camp. In addition, today's guest, Mike Sando, one of our tremendous uh, NFL national writers for The Athletic. Mike, of course, is known for his quarterback tiers article. That came out a week or so ago. Uh, we discussed that. Carson Wentz's place there and got Mike's overall view of this team, both on the field, and he's a guy that speaks to a lot of folks around the league. So we, I asked him about what is his view of the organization on the uh, the front office, Ron Rivera, and and the rest. So a fun interview there. We'll get to that in a few moments here on the podcast. Of course, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or all, the Athletic app, or anywhere you do your podcasting. If you have a second, um, not just I always mention the rate and the review on iTunes. Just make sure you subscribe as well. And that way you won't miss any of the good stuff we have coming up here on the podcast. If you missed it the other day, I spoke with Santana Moss, got his view on camp today with a lot of focus, of course, on Jahan Dodson and Terry McLaurin. All right, let's get to a few things now. If you hear me, you may hear some ambient noise. I'm literally at camp right now. I'm sitting steps away from the field. I'm right on the 30-yard line. Practice ended uh, around a, a couple of hours ago, but we've been busy since focusing on this uh, surprise announcement about Sam Mills uh, being fired by Rivera. Now, I guess if this had happened in January after the season, I don't, I don't think it would have surprised anyone. There have been whispers, rumors about, if not a possible change, reasons that there could be a potential change, specifically with Mills. Uh, Rivera, back in 2020, mentioned that some of the defensive linemen were sort of not taking to the technique uh, changes that Mills was implementing. And there have been rumors about some players not being necessarily the biggest fans of of Mills. We spoke with Jonathan Allen after practice. He said nothing but nice things about Mills, said he was surprised uh, by this and that he and Mills had gotten along well. But like I said, there's been it, 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 the, the, timing is far more surprising than the actual decision itself. Uh, Rivera said that assistant D-line coach Jeff Scanina will take over as the uh, main defensive uh, line coach now. Brett Bieselmeyer will help Scanina out. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan, he has been here, you know, uh, sort of shadowing the coaching staff as he's pondering whether he wants to enter the coaching ranks for real. He'll still be around in an unofficial capacity. And Warren Sapp was back out here today. He was here with the team in minicamp. Uh, Rivera said it was just random that he came out to visit uh, again, but nothing expected there beyond just he may show up at some point, but nothing, no, no larger role there. Um, I, I would just say this, watching practices, 
you would think that Scanina is the head is the main defensive line coach. He's the one really leading the players through the different drills. Mills seems to be uh, more on the side now. Again, that's uh, perhaps the role of the assistant in these things versus the 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 main guy. But I, you know, I don't think it's going to be a huge difference in terms of how the players feel about these things. Scanina played in the league for 17 years. He's been here since 2020 when Rivera arrived. Uh, he was previously a defensive line coach with the 49ers. So, you know, how he is as a, as a coach, well, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Clearly, the defensive line is a huge component of this team, as we know for all the obvious reasons, with the four recent first-round picks starting once Chase Young is back. And that group, you know, Jonathan Allen individually had a Pro Bowl year, but overall, that group, definitely underachieved as we know the the defense uh, did as well last year falling from a, a top five statistical unit in 2020 to basically ranking 28th in uh, football outsiders DVO, dvoa metric last year and rivera said that the philosophical differences essentially stem from what's been happening here in camp not last year because obviously you would think logically if, if the issues were last year what what, what happened last year that we, there would have been a move made by now it wasn't and it's done now I I don't know more than than that at the moment but it is very odd to say the least um, and I don't want to speculate beyond beyond that but needless to say um, as, I, as I mentioned earlier there has been some notion of you know, some players balking at, at, I guess, Mills's coaching. I don't necessarily believe it's anything personal, but that there was some concerns and the decision was made today. So interesting timing, to say the least. The Commanders will open up the preseason Saturday against the Carolina Panthers, ironically. Anytime we deal with Carolina in any capacity, there's always some irony. But the fact that Mills was with Rivera throughout their time together in Carolina, uh, you know, and now these now these teams are going to be on the field together is, of course, uh, you know, ironic. Uh, Rivera, and Rivera said flat out that it was tough to make this call with Mills because of that longstanding relationship. And that's what makes us even more curious why a, a guy you've, you've who's been on your staff since 2011. Why are you making this call now? It is interesting. We'll, we'll hopefully hear more in the days to come. Um, as for practice, we've obviously spent a lot of time discussing Carson Wentz's inaccuracy. Mike Sando and I talked about that as well. Important to note, today I think was Carson Wentz's best day in camp, at least from the, per, from the view of completing passes and throwing some strikes. He was far more accurate today than he's been most days. Uh, he he hit Dax Milne in the end zone for, on a really nice p- pass on a fourth down play, sort of a capping off a, a drive sequence. He found Kyrick McGowan deep down the right side on a perfect throw. He and Terry McLaurin, uh, they're still building that chemistry, but they connected on a couple of really nice uh, tosses. And he found Jahan Dodson deep down the right side. I think Wentz and Dodson have had the best chemistry so far among the receivers. Uh, Dodson just continues to look very crisp and sharp out here with his route running. So uh, a very nice day from Wentz. I think Heineke had some good throws as well. So yeah, this was a better day for the offense and, and one of the probably rare days in camp where, you know, if we're going to go winners, losers, you could say that the offense won the day. Uh, we'll just mention Heineke 
on the last period of the day, the 12th and final period of the day, he seemed to pull up a little bit as he was moving out of the pocket on one play, and Sam Howell came in to finish off that drive before Howell started his own drive, which ended with a really nice deep ball touchdown to Kelvin Harmon. So nothing, I don't think it's anything big deal for Heineke, but I'm just mentioning it to mention it. To mention it. A uh, couple other injury notes. James Smith-Williams practiced for the first time in a week. He's been out with a hip issue. He was back. Uh, John Bates participated for the second day in a row after missing days with a calf injury. Uh, Cole Turner remained sidelined with a hamstring. J.D. McKissick was not at practice today. Rivera said it was an excused absence. The playing with Curtis Samuel meant today he did not practice. He did, though. Um, I did a TV hit with Scott Abraham from WJLA, and Scott mentioned that Samuel, he spoke to Samuel before he got to me, and Samuel looked into the camera and said, hey, don't worry, fans, I'll be ready week one. We've got a plan. It's working. We'll be good. So keep that in mind uh, as well. And William Jackson also did not participate today. He was out here, but just did not do 11s. He's been had a, a bit of a hamstring issue. Uh, so he's been out of practice the last few days. Speaking of William Jackson, I have a new story up on The Athletic, I, I forgot to mention, where I spoke with William Jackson, Christian Holmes, and defensive backs coach Chris Harris about that Holmes is now learning to make that transition from man corner to zone, just like William Jackson did last year. And I spoke to all of them about that that transition, where, where Jackson struggled last year, how Holmes can hopefully overcome some of those mistakes. So you can check that out on the athletic. Uh, beyond that, just I was going to go position by position, and maybe I'll do that the next time um, when we don't have news of a, of, of a firing. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I will just say that um, s- some others that have uh, stood out. I, I think cornerback uh, Danny Johnson with William Jackson out. Danny Johnson's sort of been stepping in as that third corner with Kendall Fuller and Benjamin St. Juice. I think that's notable because I haven't had Danny Johnson on the bubble, but I think maybe others had, and you know, he, he looks like he is I won't say locked in, but he looks like that fourth guy as there's still questions about kind of what's going on behind them with, with, with Cornelder, the aforementioned Christian Holmes and others trying to uh, grab a position, but I think Danny Johnson remains a solid player, and he's I think he's looked good in camp, and uh continues to uh, be higher in the rotation than maybe some would expect. Doesn't mean that the commanders don't have some questions at cornerback after the starters, but nonetheless, I think Danny Johnson has been standing out a little bit uh, for sure. I think also at running back, I think Brian Robinson continues to impress me. You know, again, there's no tackling out here, so it's it's always a little tricky to gauge the running back play, but I, I really think he's going to have a, 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 a interesting role with this team uh, as that between the tackles back while Antonio Gibson, who's been practicing, but you know, maybe a, a little, uh, you know, they're not like forcing him into heavy workload out here. He looks sharp. He looks spry. And the, they're trying to get him more out in space to me, in my view, which is exactly what they should be doing. So I think that's going to be a really fun combination. And we got to look at that today because, as I said, McKissick did not participate. Last one, um, I think Dax Milne has really stood out to me. He made a couple of nice catches today, went high for one pass from Wentz uh, to pull it down with two defenders around him. He's also consistently, along with Alex Erickson, the guys who are back there for punt returns. Uh, you know, right now, I think I would pencil Milne in as the sixth receiver. I don't know what they're going to do on kick returns because I don't I, I don't feel like Milne is an option there. Erickson maybe a little. 
but keeping seven receivers right now seems to be a little dicey. We've got a ways to go, and we'll see what how injuries, you know, shape uh, some of those final decisions. But I think Dax Milne to me is a guy that has been impressive. Again, it's all relative to expectations, right? We're not saying impressive like he's going to uh, jump uh, into the starting lineup, but just as a guy, you're trying to figure out who's going to be the back of your of your group. Uh, you know, he, he's the, he's not the biggest of guys, of course, but he's shown the willingness to go some make some plays in the air. He's got pretty sure hands as a receiver and a returner, and I think he's looking pretty good. But you know, we've got a ways to go on those fronts for sure. Um, I think I'll just end it there. We'll get to my conversation here with Mike Sando, but obviously more. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about this uh, change on the, on the coaching staff. No doubt we'll ask Rivera some more questions as the week goes on. Um, all right, but for now, let's get to my conversation with my colleague at The Athletic, Mike Sando. Really fun about Carson Wentz, quarterback tiers, and just his overall view on the commanders. Let's do that right here on the Standard Groom Only podcast. All right, as promised, uh, joining me here on the podcast, my colleague at The Athletic, senior NFL writer who happens to be in Ashburn to check out the fun festivities here. He is uh, Mike Sando. For some reason, he left uh, his, his the, the nice weather in the, in the greater Northwest to come here to the humidity and hell that is Ashburn. Are you enjoying uh, the heat and humidity? You know, I I don't mind it. I wouldn't. I did think of this. I wouldn't want to stand in it every day, but you know, your bones get a little older, and sometimes it's nice to come out in the heat. But I'm ready. I'll be ready for the air conditioner in the car here pretty soon. Absolutely. We we, we picked a spot where there was shade. Then literally as we started, the sun came out. So we're gonna bake here for a little bit. Uh, but Mike, I appreciate the time. You you've been touring the the league, getting getting around, and this is your 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 last stop. Uh, Washington. What what comes to mind when I when I say the Washington Commanders? What comes to mind for you uh, right now? Well, a good direct flight back to Seattle is the main. <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, well, the, what comes to mind to me is the NFC East and just how uh, I mean not great it is, how open it is. Like you wouldn't be surprised. You could make scenarios for various teams. Now it's a little bit harder for some, but I feel like you know Washington's kind of a little bit of an overlooked team that had a decent you know a better record than you probably would have thought last year for a team that lost its quarterback and uh you know what's going to happen with dallas right i mean i think their receiver core isn't as good um we'll just see uh, is dallas going to be as good i mean I'm, I'm not sure and the giants with a first year staff i think the eagles are pretty good i think the eagles are pretty good but uh it feels like it's a division where you play a pretty easy schedule I, I plugged the quarterback tiers into the schedule, the quarterback tiers results that I do. Talk to 50 people in the league, rate all the quarterbacks. Uh, I believe Washington had the second easiest schedule of them, and, and Philadelphia is the easiest. Uh, so that's a factor in this division this year. I think there's going to be improvement on defense in this division statistically because of who you're playing. Yeah, you you mentioned the the quarterback tiers. I was we were going to discuss your your article on the athletic. It's always a must read every year. But it feels like most of this league, there's a few teams at the at the tippy top. You're just like, okay, those are definite Super Bowl yeah. contenders. And then there's the teams at the bottom where you're just like, okay, they're still war, they're a ways away. And everybody else is in the middle. And it feels like depend your view of these often does come down to the quarterbacks. And in this division. Other than Dak Prescott, who I'm not personally ready to sign off as a guy who's definitely taking you to the mountaintop, this is a division where it's so the quarterback situation is dicey across the uh, across the division. I think that's why it feels like maybe Washington could sneak in if Carson Wentz gets yeah. going. Absolutely, Carson Wentz got look. It got sideways in Philly and Indy for reasons that 
that he's partly responsible for, but I felt like he got just savaged out the door. Like you, you would have thought that it was horrific. And I think before last season, if you would have said, hey, Indy, you have a winning record. Carson will be available all season. and will finish with 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. They would have done a five-year deal right then. So for whatever reason, that's not how they do it, right? You wait till the end of the year. So they're getting a guy who um, has talent, obviously has some flaws and holes, or he would be in Philadelphia still. They wouldn't have moved on from him because they, they loved him at one point. So there's something not right there, but um, who's to say that he can't have a good year? Even if he plays basically how he played last year, are you, do you flip it to 9-8 and eight and you're a wild card? I mean, you'd kind of take that, probably. You're right. It's such a weird disconnect. You know, obviously, because when you're covering a team week every week, I'm not watching all the other games, particularly, you know, that's not a Sunday night or a Monday night. So I'm paying attention to some highlights. You see some things. And you look at Carson Wentz's numbers. Like you said, 27 and 7. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a pretty good ratio. Yeah, right. Everybody would sign up for that. And then... Things obviously went incredibly sideways at the end. He was terrible in the last two games. There was the issue with the COVID situation or whatever. And then Jim, Jim Irsay basically says, you know, yeah. it's, it's been real. Get out. And, and that is what's so interesting. And I've been watching him for two weeks here. The inaccuracy concerns exist. But the rest of it, so much is going to be until we get to games, it's hard to know. In your quarterback tiers, yeah. uh, we were just discussing it here. He came in in the third tier. Uh, tied with Jalen Hurts of all people. What, what was yeah. your what, what was your view in talking to people around the league about about kind of where people think Wentz is at right now? Well, I think Ursay is blaming him for the drafting of Jeff George back in uh, <laughs> 1990 or whenever that is. So Jeff, that, Jeff George is a guy. I always talk about the holy untrinity here of moves that Dan Snyder did early, and one of them was bringing in Jeff George when you had Brad Johnson and yeah. So yeah, yeah Jeff yeah. George. So it, it was kind of coincidental that. Uh, Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz got tied in the survey with Wentz kind of coming down and Hurts uh, going up. You know, I think most of the commentary on uh, Wentz felt existential. I mean, they're trying to figure out, like, what's what's missing here, right? And I think there's a conclusion that, you know, he's not the most natural leader. He's He hasn't been publicly accountable enough. Some of those things they would like a quarterback to do, right? After the, after the game, win or lose, the quarterback sort of gives credit to everyone else and takes the blame when it, I think Carson hasn't just naturally done that and it, it rubbed the Colts the wrong way I think the leadership component is a part of it is why he's here uh, as much as the production now as a as a player and throwing around, throwing the ball he can make great throws the accuracy on some of the shorter stuff probably not as good and then hero ball I mean, can you ever coach that out of somebody? Do you ever, like, put it this way, if if you or I had a hot temper, let's just say that's how we were, you can do yoga, you can have a uh, an intentional mindset, but when somebody comes up to you and throws water in your face, which is what happens in a football game, you, re- you might revert to that temper, right? right? It's hard to do. And so for somebody like Carson Wentz, he's had trouble uh, modulating that, right? And... and Sometimes in the worst moments, when it's most hectic, he's going to try to do too much. And I think he was able to get away with that, obviously, in college. And even to an extent in his pro career, it produced some good plays, but it's made him uh, vulnerable to injury. It's made him vulnerable to that one play that undoes the 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions, right? And I think there's, it's very questionable whether you get that out of where you, whether you can remove that from somebody. I think that's how he's wired a little bit. And so can he hang around long enough to kind of grow out of that and not do some of those plays? Because you can find those in Indy, too, last year, some 
what the heck was that? Falling down, throwing it. He just sort of has that. Can he? Can he kind of regulate that? I think determines whether you want to keep going with him, not just this year, but next year. You know? Yeah. No, for 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 sure. I'm always fascinated by the idea of instincts. Yeah, I used to talk to, and when I was covering the NBA, talk to people there about can you teach a player instincts about certain things like how to, you know passing and some other sort of mental gymnastics that for some people it's natural others they never get and it was always a weird because people never had a real answer for it that they're really nobody ever seemed to be able to confidently say that you can sort of rejigger somebody's instincts uh, and that's kind of a little bit of what you're uh, what you're talking about here i think you can train yourself to get better you know uh, there's no doubt about it but the instincts will always probably be there uh, to some degree, and like we said, they come out in the highest pressure situations. For sure. So, just out of curiosity, so you uh, we mentioned Carson Wentz is in level three yeah. uh, of the, of your tiers. Your, your ones are obviously your Aaron Rodgers, Tom yeah. Brady's, and so on. The level three, like in terms of like competing at the highest levels, it's not always just about the quarterback, but obviously it's a lot. What's been your? I don't know. To what degree is a level three? Yeah. Like, have the how have those guys fared? Yeah. In in the past, so to speak. So tier three basically means you're a legitimate starter, but you probably need more support, maybe a better run game, better defense. You don't want to put it all on their shoulders all the time. I think. Tier three is this. If you're tier one or tier two, your team's not thinking about replacing you. Okay. Tier three, you could kind of go either way. So if you look at tier three here, you're going to have Kirk Cousins at the top of tier three. You're going to have Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill, Mac Jones, who's young, Baker Mayfield, Wentz, Hertz, Goff, Trevor Lawrence, Jameis Winston. Those are all guys you could make a case for being your starter this year. And yet, if you had a better option, you would take it. Right. So you can win with those guys. But you really are sort of questioning if, if if you can win it all with them, right? And I think in Tier 1 and Tier 2, you feel like if we configured it right around these guys, we could win it all. Right. Uh, this guy, maybe in any given year, if everything was right, it could be the MVP. So look at Tier 2. Stafford, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Prescott, Carr, Murray, Matt Ryan, sort of falling out of that. But for the most part, those guys in their best year could be the MVP, right? They could have an amazing year. Right. And you feel like in Tier 3... Pretty much probably not going to be at that level, but could still be be good. And Carson Wentz has been in Tier 2 before, so talent-wise, he's different than some of the other Tier 3s because he's been a very high pick, right? So he has something there that maybe could help him elevate easier than, um, you know, than somebody else, like a Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Right. By the way, I know this is about the moment. This isn't about projecting the next five years. But since they're playing Jacksonville in week one, I was kind of surprised that Trevor Lawrence was, like, below Wentz or whatever. I know that he yeah. struggled last year, but I don't know. I was just uh, – Yeah, well, there's two reasons for that. One is uh, tier four, you can give somebody a four if you don't think they're a good player or if, you, if we haven't seen enough. Right. So Trevor Lawrence got some fours, like, look, I didn't see enough Urban Meyer situation. I'm not putting him in a three yet. There's some of that. But there was also notably, I think – a feeling that as bad as it was there with Urban Meyer, people kind of wanted to see a little more. You want to see some glimpses of, right. wow, did you see what Trevor Lawrence did? And people felt in general we didn't see that. And you know maybe his accuracy wasn't as good as they had hoped for, didn't look at quite as natural as a, as a thrower as they had hoped for. So we'll see. He's in a much better situation with Doug Peterson. But I think most people are saying I could see him go to be a two. Whereas some other guys have come in, like a Mahomes even. We had Mahomes in the quarterback tiers after he only made one start. So he went in tier four, not enough information, but people were like, yeah, uh, this guy's got a chance to be a one. And we didn't hear that as much as Trevor Lawrence. And that 
is a surprise from where I thought he was viewed on draft day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He would you know, consider best prospect since whether it's Andrew Locke or yeah. whoever. Right, that, that's kind of what I thought too. So we'll, we'll, we'll see him here uh, in a month uh, for, for, for week one. Um, let's move off the, the quarterbacks. What else kind of comes to mind for you with, with, with Washington? Obviously, they had Jahan Dodson in the draft. They, they re-signed Terry McLaurin. The defense massively underachieved last year, but there's still some talent. What, what for you kind of just stands yeah, out? The defense part, for sure. I mean, you have a veteran coordinator in, in Jack Del Rio, but I don't think that people are uh, saying, wow, Del Rio's going to – I can't wait to see what he does with this group. You know what I mean? Yeah, And sure. so – um, there's some pressure there. Now, Ron Rivera's defensive coach, too, so he's ultimately responsible for what they're going to look like on that side of the ball. Very disappointing for what they had talent-wise to be uh, where they were. Now, that said, they played a tougher schedule of opposing quarterbacks. That matters. So this year, they're going to play the second easiest schedule of opposing quarterbacks if we use my quarterback tier ratings on the, on the quarterbacks. So there will be improvement. There has to be improvement. Some of that could be just who they're playing, right? Defense is somewhat about who you're playing so maybe that looks better uh but i want if i'm washington to feel like at the end of this year that we've got the defense figured out and we like what we're doing with who we have uh because that's a critical component even for these teams with the top quarterbacks uh aaron Rodgers doesn't get to the super bowl unless they're squared away defense you know you can be good you can you can get to the playoffs russell wilson isn't in the super bowl except for those years when it was really, really good. So right. to have that is critical, especially because they don't have a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, but they want to get one. And uh, if you play good enough defense, you can get over the top. Um, you talk to executives and coaches all throughout the league. There, you know, Obviously, there's been a big change here over the last few years with Ron Rivera coming in, and he's one of those coaches that has sort of full say kind of over everything. Yeah. What's your view when you – just like when you talk to people around the league, what, what do people think about Washington or, or you know yeah. – what, I mean, I think Rivera, well, they think two things. Number one, there's the whole ownership thing off to the side. Yeah, and I sure. I do wonder if you can overcome that ownership. And I know that as far as owning the team and the football operation, probably Snyder's as neutral as he's been in that component, I would think, right yeah. now. But that's a huge thing for anywhere. Does bad ownership ever get overcome? I think that's a great question, and, and I'm not sure that it does. So that's one thing. I think people view Ron Rivera positively. I mean, I think they, they see him as a... As probably a, a, a good leader and suited for the head coach role. He's he's experienced in that. Um, so, you know, if you're asking about him, I think that's how it is. Uh, the bigger picture of Washington, I mean, I think people are just kind of waiting to see how the ownership thing shakes out, really. Yeah, no, that's obviously a huge deal. I won't I won't burden you with your, with your yeah, view on that. I'll, I'll I'll take care of that one. Um, just before we get out of here, because it is hot and I don't want to keep you out of here. Um, NFL broadly, there's so many different topics beyond this place. What for you? Just looking all the way around the league, what team do you is interesting? What's a storyline you find interesting? Whatever it may be. Yeah, it's funny because I so I live in the Seattle area, but to me, it's unprecedented what Seattle's done. To we've seen teams get rid of a good quarterback when, like. Okay, the Colts got rid of Peyton Manning, but he had a broken neck and they could get Andrew Luck. Right. It's very rare to get rid of a quarterback who... Russell Wilson's been in Tier 1 recently when you have Drew Locke and Geno Smith as your alternatives. That, to me, I just can't think of another one like that. We saw Brady leave, but it was after 20 years. Um, he's 40-some years old. You can find a reason. It's hard to find a reason on paper for why you would do that. 
very intriguing to me. Are they going to still be in the mix because Pete Carroll's a great coach, or do they just fall off and never get it back and regret right. what you've given up because it's such a precious commodity to have a good quarterback? Or is Russell Wilson going to fall off now? He The last year and a half weren't as good. Have we seen the best of, the, of him, and they've brilliantly sold high? I just, the idea of a 70-year-old coach giving up his Tier 1 or Tier 2 quarterback when you have Drew Locke and you don't have the number one pick? Yeah. That's a big story. I was stunned. I, I, because, you know, obviously they were, we kept thinking, could Russell Wilson be available here? They obviously yeah. did try to get him. And I just kept thinking, there's no way Pete Carroll is trading him unless Pete Carroll is going to retire. Like, if he's saying this yes. is it. And so I was stunned that they traded him at all. And then, you know, at least like when the Colts traded Wentz, it's a different deal. They then went and got Matt Ryan. And, and, and the, I kept waiting for Seattle to Everyone go did. do something. Everyone's like, well, they're in on Baker Mayfield. And I'm, you know, being close to the situation. And I'm like, they're actually not, I don't think. This is what they're doing. No one chooses that. So there was obviously a lot going on. And, you know, maybe there was a shelf life with that relationship. I, it was kind of a bad marriage by the end. So sometimes you, you know, sometimes people get divorced from people that other people would see as, wow, how do you get divorced from this person? But there's reasons internally why it wasn't going to work anymore. So they reached that point. But usually there is a an alternative. So I think that that and then, you know, I think other teams that moving on like like Pittsburgh moving on without Roethlisberger, those are interesting times for me when you've had a guy for so long uh, and then it's different. Uh, is it reinvigorating? Do you just fall off the map? Those are a couple places to watch. Yeah, no, quarterbacks always move the world. They do here as well. We'll talk plenty about Carson Wentz. And we'll, of course, read Mike Sando. If you haven't already seen his quarterback tiers, it's must-read. Go read about Wentz, but he talks about all the quarterbacks. Go read them all. Go follow him on The Athletic. Uh, Mike, appreciate it. Great seeing you. Safe trip home, and let's get out of the heat. Thank you, man.